Welcome to the Growing Pains podcast, where we are helping millennials get out of adult adolescence one candid conversation at a time. I'm your host, Moki Musao, joined by the ever more real, don't get more real than her, Ann Harrington. Um, Ann, Thanksgiving. Mm. How was it? It was great. Okay. It's great. Um, so much turkey. I've got Jive some turkey, turkey bones in my freezer right now to make some some soup later. And that's maybe the oldest sentence I've ever said. I felt old today. Um, but not because I'm making turkey soup. Okay. But Thanksgiving was was good. My Family came, came over to the apartment, had some some big old dinner. Jen cooked the turkey and then had the rest, like the sides delivered. Oh, good call. So, yeah. So, yeah, right. Well, man. Yeah. So it was She's a smart. Was, she is very, very. Um, not sure why she married me <laughs> just to use me for her purposes. There <laughs> This is uh, off the rails already. Yeah, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? Turkey, right? Um, then, uh, so um, there's a there's a neighborhood that's near us that um, Max and I go walking, and and there's a point where we just usually turn around just because whenever you go walking, it just gets late, and you know, and I just get tired. So I don't want to, he just wants to go everywhere and I just going to have time for it. But my, you know, with, uh, with Mocha here, um, we went ahead and took this dude all the way to wherever he wanted to go. And he was, he was so happy that he finally got to go everywhere he wanted to go. We actually even saw two horses and I was like, I didn't even know these were here, but we did see him, saw some chickens. And we had a really great time. Um, stuffing was, you know, I like stuffing more than the turkey. Oh, same. I was talking with a friend about this yesterday. This Thanksgiving is the best, like, quintessential American meal. Because generally, I would say that we're not as bad as the Brits, but I would say generally we're not great with our like herbs and spices and stuff and thanksgiving we're like oh no 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 we actually do want to use more than two seasonings per dish look and stuffing it's it's the whole thing it's so good i man seasoning food don't even get me started on that but yes you're right yeah you're right yeah you get the salt You've got the sage and the rosemary and the thyme and, uh, I mean, salt and pepper and then the juices from the turkey if you cook it that way. And that's, that's my mom throws right. apples in it, which you'd think is gross, I but have, it's actually, yep. no, it's like it brings a little yeah. sharpness to it. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. That's now that you mention it, it's coming to mind. Yeah. Nobody really like you go you know if you go to the grocery store and you see like people shopping at thanksgiving like they're like they're buying like the spices like the like the 
the bunches, you know, mm-hmm. not like in, in the, the little stuff. thing. I'm like, y'all ain't never going to do this another time until next year. Yep. You know, they probably don't even, they probably cheese, you know, only season their, their, their chicken on one side. <laughs> <laughs> Come in here talking about spices. You don't know what yeah. you're doing. So anyways, Thanksgiving was good. Um, Dog sightings. Thanksgiving walk dog sightings. Um, I did. So there's a, did I see? Nah, I, did I see any? Nah, we just, there's just a, a, a home. I, I saw a bunch walking. So Max and I walked a bunch and we saw a bunch of dogs. Didn't get a chance to pet them. But he's uh he's starting to like identify them and you know call them by their name, Wolf Wolf, mm. and so we did that. Um, there's I mean there's just a neighbor here, a neighbor. There's a, a house somewhere around here. They have these do- you know these so it's like three dog big dogs that are outside and they bark for like like thirty straight minutes barking. And the owners don't even come out and get them. Ugh. I'm like, you know, you know what? I don't even live there, so it doesn't matter to me. But that was the that was something new that I experienced. But you know, it's okay. Mm. You? Yeah, I saw a bunch out walking. I, no, no pets. I uh, I went to I uh, went to the beach a bunch of times this week, and um, yeah. And saw a bunch of dogs on a beach that has a sign clearly state has multiple signs clearly stating no dogs allowed on beach, um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's like a beach in the North Shore that's like sort of private but not private. And uh, I was walking, I walked past this like family walking their really ancient cocker spaniel who sort of like started trotting towards me, and then I think he could smell that I, my paycheck wasn't big enough to belong, and he passed me by my feelings were a little hurt golly i reminded myself i am a child of the lord and it doesn't matter what he thinks he owns the cattle on a thousand hills exactly he doesn't he doesn't need your he, paycheck he owns the dogs on a thousand beaches <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need your paycheck and right right he's got, he's got it all uh so, uh, so that said, and especially uh, thinking about Thanksgiving and this idea of quintessential American, today we're talking about the American dream. Mm. And, you know, with just the conversation particularly we had with Denicia, it got me thinking, especially when we, when we were talking about traditional norms and this the ongoing struggle that you know the millennial generation has to uh come to a sense of stability maybe even of grounding and just got to thinking about the american dream and was wondering perhaps part of what of our struggle part of what our struggle is relates to how we understand the American dream and how it works and how it doesn't work 
and we're trying to we're trying to work that out. Yeah. And getting before we get all into the that kind of conversation first, and I'm gonna need your help here, and because you know, going back to was it last week? I don't know. At some point, I I'm, I may have mentioned that I didn't grow up here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I missed out on the '90s. Everybody times people talk about, hey, did you do this? I'm like, I wasn't even here. So I my notion of the American dream starts from. Like stereotypically, what you know, someone would think of, you know, uh, a kid growing up in, you know, the uh, outside of the West mm. in the '90s. Okay, this is back when we had VCRs. Okay, no cell phones or whatever. How I knew America was through movies, um, cartoons that I see. You know, the, well, not cartoons, but um, the the amount of for me when I was a kid, the amount of channels you could get in America to me was like, that was the thing. And then my dad, you know, he would travel back and forth. And one of the things that he used to do was he would record uh, episodes of, or documentaries from the Discovery Channel and National Geographic on VCR. And then he would bring them back to us. And that's how I, that's, that's how I developed this idea that, you know, America is a, like the land of opportunity. Like I, if yeah. I could just get here, that would be for me, the fulfillment of the dream. So that's my, so, so when we talk about what is the American dream and where, you know, what's going on, I'm going to need your help. Help this immigrant understand <laughs> what, where y'all what, are coming from. Well, I want to ask first, when did your, when did, when did you become disillusioned with it or when did it start to feel unattainable? Or, yeah, not real. Hmm. I think it was. That's a great question. I'm not entirely sure. I. Oh, you know what? Here we go. Um. Community college. <laughs> my. Um, was it guidance counselor or whatever you call them? I don't know. Do they have guidance counselors in college? Anyways, he was my career uh, advisor. Mm-hmm. He was also my geology teacher. <laughs> whatever that means. And uh, he asked me, what do you want to major in when you go to George Mason? I told him philosophy. He said, what did he say? He said, well there isn't that much of a demand for philosophers these days. Is there anything else you want to do? (laughs) 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 Uh, And here we are recording the Growing Pains podcast. For free. (laughs) (laughs) He's 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 eating his words now. He he sure is. He sure is. And probably a very healthy 401k, but you know. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I think so th- when uh, that conversation, I remember feeling a sense of um, maybe like anxiety or nervousness because I was coming up against the, the I had a real passion for ideas mm. and I wanted to learn how to explore ideas in deep ways. Um, and then there was this reality also that I needed to, I needed to eat. And there seemed to be a um, 
a disconnect between my passion and what and being able to provide for myself and then even potentially for you know the if I can't provide for myself how can I provide for a future family um and then how can I um provide for myself when I'm too old to work so I think it might have been it might have been then mm. yeah okay college yeah right around there hmm yeah, it's it's really funny because I think uh, I think I weirdly almost uh, observed the American dream as an outsider, but in a different way. So, hmm. um, I grew up uh, in a family where, at least on my dad's side of the family, my my grandfather had been like really successful in business and which has been a major blessing to my life in a number of ways, but mm. um, had that financial success that seems to sort of uh, be at the the center of the American dream, like finance, okay. money, money gives you options. Money gives you security, right. money right. gives you power, all that stuff. Right. Um, and my family in many ways, as a result of this financial blessing, um, was really deeply unhappy. So, um, mm. yeah, there's just, and <laughs> to this day, I like hear about people being in business with their families, you know, like I think especially around where I live, there's a lot of like multi-generational businesses and I'll be talking with people and, you know, and, you know, do such and such with my dad or whatever. And I like have to like hold my jaw up from hitting the floor because I'm just like, and you like each other? Like <laughs> you you chose that? Like that's something you wanted to do because it was just a source of endless mm. strife and uh and resentment and bitterness in my family and in many ways still is. I think thankfully my siblings and I have all sort of extracted ourselves from that, mm. but because primarily because we saw what it did and and because we had my mom who is maybe one of the most saintly people that I know, probably one of the most saintly people mm. that I know just from a really young age, encouraging us to do whatever we felt like God was calling us to do and um, to go after that with our whole hearts and serve him before anything else. Mm. So that, you know, just that obedience and faithfulness was the goal and not um, some kind of outcome. Mm. <laughs> and there's obviously a lot of like privilege in that we did have the financial security to be thinking that way. That's right. Um, at least at times we did, but it was, um, yeah. So I think that that was like really early on. I was just like, this is kind of BS. Like I would rather be poor or like, you know, even not live to be old, rather be poor mm -hmm. or not live to be old than live like that. So, um, yeah. So I think that even like my observations of it are fairly cynical and yeah, I don't under, I don't understand why people chase it. But I also think that I don't, maybe don't have the, the working definition of it that a lot of people mm. do. So. I was, there's, so we've got to figure out what exactly this American dream is supposed to be. One thing though, that stands out that, that has come to mind as, as you were talking, uh, 
was how for us, a lot of the momentum of our lives is um, geared towards making sure that what we're doing is is meaningful for our lives before yeah. we die. Yeah. And it seems like there was a focus in previous generations where it was making sure that what I did had significance for everyone that comes after me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I'm in, I'm in real estate and you know, one of the things that, you know, we talk about is, is the idea of a legacy, right? So, so that what you're doing isn't just for you now, but for your future generations, for your, your children, your children's children, your whomever, but thinking outside and, you know, outside of yourself, your purpose is to make sure that uh, you are attending to the generation that, that, that come after you. It seems to be a part of the American dream as perhaps it's been understood for the majority of the history of this concept has been to ensure like purpose, security, uh, and freedom for one's either for for one's lineage. So there's a there's a, I think a familial sense to this. Yes. Um. That gives then purpose to what you're because you know I could work at a at a steel factory for forty years. I mean I'm just you know this is I'm not saying this is what you do, but somebody say you know I work for forty years or whatever and might be whatever, but uh. You know, I leave a large sum of money, a big inheritance and whatever, then my children will be able to have it. And then then the grandparents, like I was listening to a podcast uh, months ago, a finance podcast where a listener was saying, hey, my grandfather, you know, you know, calling in to ask for advice, saying my grandfather left me an inheritance of 1.5 million. Sure. What do I do with it? Yeah. But, you know. Who among us <laughs> this privilege? Uh, somewhere, I was reading a, a, a blog once said that millennials were the next great generation. How many of us are going to leave a 1.5 in million inheritance for yeah. Our grandchildren? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. But um, so that's just something, uh, maybe a, a contrast that, stands out just as we're beginning to talk right now yeah and i think with that um millennials are getting married later or not getting married at all and not having kids right so then what's then that Mm. there has to be like some um some way to have a legacy that isn't about family or at least not primarily that is so powerful yeah can you have the american dream without the american ideal of a family yep and again not it's it's not to say that you can't 
But if you can, how then would it happen? And this, I, well, man, this is tough because we're getting at what could be the problem here, but still not having an idea of what exactly the dream is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. So maybe let's talk about that for a little bit. So before we started recording, I did just like some very minimal research about the origins of the American dream. And it's basically as old as, you know, the first, the first white people that landed in America and with the the concept, the Puritan concept of having a city on the hill, Mm. um, which is supposed to be a light for the world and Mm. um, et cetera. So there's kind of a, a missional mindset to right. it. And then, right. you know, the Declaration of Independence, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, which mm-hmm. I think is in some ways a lot of that's been retained. It seems like that kind of basic concept. Right. And then um, later on, it was it started showing up in newspapers in the late 1800s a lot. Um, and primarily as advertising for pioneers, quote unquote, moving west to occupy native lands and uh and immigrants who were drawn to the u.s to be cheap labor essentially as a lot of people were moving west so and then you know you have it progressed from there but just that um eventually becomes sort of synonymous with uh, upward economic mobility Mm -hmm. that's what the dream is um and I think that the question that we're asking is upward economic mobility to what end? Mm. It seems like a like a, a punchline that just didn't work. Huh. This whole American dream is this great. You know, we the the myth of the American dream is just so grandiose, and then you you open up the the box and it just is you know upward mobility <laughs> mm. uh that just seems like very underwhelming but um but it's i would hmm i'm trying to i'm trying to come up with to uh, with with a sentence uh the american dream is the hope that Economic mobility will provide a financial legacy for uh, one's uh, family and mm-hmm. future generations. Yeah. So that the family itself will become a microcosm of that city on a hill. The family mm-hmm. itself becomes a beacon. Mm-hmm. in a community for what it means to be uh, American. Sure. Yep. Where did Wow. I I'm just thinking about all of the sort of popular evangelical theology I grew up hearing about you know, the family unit right now. I'm telling you, like... It definitely the, ties in. The... The... It's... Man, this is crazy because honestly, my you know, my career advisor, geology professor, 
sure philosophers are not that much in demand uh, in high-paying jobs, but in terms of making sense of all the nonsense that we believe to be common sense, Mm. we are in high demand Mm -hmm. and in very uh, low appreciation. And so... (laughs) Uh, and so the, the, this is the crazy thing, uh, about the American dream and how, you know, we talk about, uh, we've, I've heard in different circles, this idea of nationalistic theology and, you know, whatever is, is this is how it, this is one of the ways that it ties in so seamlessly to just our daily uh, and ordinary, quote unquote, ordinary beliefs is th- that in striving for this notion of an American dream, not saying that it's good, bad, right or wrong, just saying that's what it's, it, that's what someone is doing, is that you don't realize how you are, you could be, not you are, but you could be subscribing to an ideology in which the family unit outside of a religious system itself has a religious significance. Hmm. Wow. Right. Yeah. So now if, and you know, what is it? Um, GK Chesterton, I think had this quote and I'm, I don't remember it completely, but um, he says like a secular values are merely Christian values um, gone mad. Right. Is that it's like a bunch of, you know, a bunch of dogs that, you know, are on a leash and you just let go of the leash and the dogs just run wild, right? Is outside of a, and here again, I said a religious system, not Christianity, Mm. a religious system. Not saying that it has to be Christianity. I'm saying it has to be some form of a transcendent uh, belief system. Uh, Outside of that, if the family is deified, as a religious uh, symbol, then I mean that that's that's that can become very problematic. Yep. Wow. And so, the American dream, then, and and here's the thing: is this idea of upward mobility providing financial stability? And, and a legacy for your family and for future generations is, is an amazing goal. It's an amazing pursuit. Yeah. Honestly, to, to say that I am going to work hard, uh, I'm going to make a lot of sacrifices uh, so that I, my family and the future will be secure as best as we can be. And Mm -hmm. then to, uh, and, and along with that, uh, we will pray that God will, uh, you know, be gracious and merciful to us. Mm. That itself is a worthy pursuit. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, here again is the, uh, you know, this idea, even even calling upon God is calling upon this external higher power to ensure or at least help our case to continue. But the 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 family unit that is deified becomes the the primary cause in which that legacy continues. Because the family unit is the beacon on the 
the the the community hill that is modeling what it means to be America, yeah. which then becomes the highest ideal. Right, the symbol of America becomes the, uh, what is it? The 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 highest value, the highest cause for which all should 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 aspire to. Yep. Which I mean, on on a lighter note, it makes sense why so many people in our generation are getting nagged by their parents about when they're going to have kids, right? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm over here preaching like, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's Keep going. Sunday. It's a Sunday. <laughs> um, and uh, maybe you know what? Maybe this isn't even a good definition of what the American dream is, but at least conceptually, it it makes sense for for, for right now. And then, so you have the let's say you know, and you know. I remember when when my brother got married at the wedding. People were coming up to me, <laughs> telling me, Where, "Where's yours?" I'm like, "What?" It's like, like we're still here. I didn't have anybody when I came in. It's only been two hours. How <laughs> could I? How am I gonna? How's somebody just gonna materialize? How, how much older is Mocha? Like minutes, obviously. Minutes. Yeah. Okay. Eight, eight minutes. So they're going, you have eight minutes from I do <laughs> to your turn. <laughs> it, it was Keep wild, up, but Keep up. I know, right? Gosh, always. But now you got a kid, always, so. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, it's the, 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 the race is not for the swift. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, so here, here, here comes then. And well, this now gets, this is a good place for your question to come in, okay. right? If you don't have this family to become a, to, to become a beacon for what is good and great and, and, uh, virtuous about America, then what dream do you have? Hmm. So that's such a good question. I think it goes almost schizophrenically one of two ways or one and two ways. Uh, the first way is, I suppose you could call it the Bezos way, right? You just have this sort of incredibly successful individual mm -hmm. and who's, you know, like in, engaged in a bunch of PR to make it look like he's a, a philanthropist and he's not. But, you know, he's like, he's incredibly successful as an individual. And, um, and then you have the other direction, which is that your family is replaced by the world. And I think there's, that's where I think at least a lot, one of the reasons that our generation is becoming more and more friendly, at least to kind of some lower, lowercase s socialist ideas more in like the style of like continental European socialism rather than like USSR, but, but just more, more friendly towards that because our family or the hope of a family perhaps right. has been replaced by, you know, this like nebulous community. Right. 
of right. the world or our country, you know? A, an example, Friendsgiving. Sure, yeah. Very mundane and small, but gets at this idea that the family is not merely a nucleus of blood relations. Yeah. But is 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 created of is made up of more eclectic uh relations and then but then what then what is the dream then what does america then shine so if this friendsgiving family is supposed is supposed to be a the new unit you know what 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 light are they shining towards are they still pointing towards this ideal of you know, what America is supposed to be, mm. the good, the great, and whatever, mm. or, or is it something else? And this is what makes it so hard for us in this generation that we're in is that what we're, you know, we're discovering new ways of having a fulfilling life, yeah, new ways of creating legacies. They're, they're not pointing to something that's necessarily distinct in the same way that the old one did such that it could be called American. And I'll say it like this. Okay. Um, so there was a very disgusting joke that was made about the F French national team when they won the world cup. I think the world cup was 2018. Okay, I'll take your word. Whatever it was, right? One of the most recent one, France won. And there were French government officials who were saying, this isn't even the French national team. They don't even look French. Oh, right, right, right. I do remember right? that. Yeah. And, you know, saying that, you know, the, you know, or jokes that, you know, France won the World Cup, the first African team to win the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you have this team of individuals representing this country, and the people in the country are saying, you don't even represent the country. Right. You're not French. Huh. Right? So they're they're representing this entity that does not recognize them as legitimate representatives. So you have a Friendsgiving that is made up of whatever it's made up of, but mm -hmm. there is no like blood ties nuclear family. Yep. Are they representing America in the same way that the nuclear family would be? I think in many ways, yes, and on so many levels. Um, there's there's like the sort of loose association idea, but okay. then also, I mean, this may be another layer of just the loose association. So last year, for example, I had Friendsgiving with two of my best friends who I've been friends with for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. They're essentially, they are family to me, but then also this other couple who I had never met before. And it was a delightful time at a great time. And we're going to try and repeat this year because they're just, it was such a great crew. Um, but like I, you know, they're not constantly in my life in the same way that family is. Um, mm. And I think that oh, we've talked about it kind of at length before, I guess. I'm going to say ad nauseum. <laughs> Hopefully not ad nauseum. We've talked about it at length before about how our generation is far less connected, how we're not accountable to each right. other or particularly right. open or transparent with each other. And I think that right. there's something about the, which isn't for a moment to say that all families are because most families are existing in various degrees of dysfunction and right. whatever. But the 
the sort of like the Friendsgiving idea that loose association is representative of our lack of connection as a generation. So it is, yeah, it's as if that's like a sort of a snapshot one day right. of the American dream. Right. I feel like it is pretty representative. Right, right. Of the reality, maybe not mm. the goal, but of the reality. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking here about the other terms that are in that definition, upper mobi- mobility. Mm-hmm. And in term and and also the notion of securing the future. And I'm not saying securing it as as though it were inevitable, but in terms of giving quote unquote the future the best chances. Hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, when if you don't have the quote unquote the nuclear family, and again, so I was look I was doing some reading here and looks like one of the uh, a uh, an article described the f- four main aspects to the American dream are uh, leaving your home, getting married, raising a family, and having employment. Yeah. And so the the crux of that is uh, centers around the family uh, because you know you leave home, so you leave one family not for nothing. But it's because you're supposed to get yourself in another one. Yeah. So, so if you don't have that family, that nucleus, what then is the purpose of upper mobility? Or do you not have it anymore? And if you don't, then what? How do you secure the future? And if you're not doing any of that, then are you still pointing towards this idea of America and the highest and best of what it could be? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the reading I was doing was I read um, a couple different analyses of surveys done on Mm -hmm. millennials and um, so many of us are seeing education as the key to success. And in many ways, it still is. You know, I think also the vast majority of us are disillusioned with our K through 12 education. It didn't prepare us for a whole lot. Um, And... And I would, I would even say the same thing about college. There's, you know, like a liberal arts yeah. education. There's only a certain, there's only a certain number of degrees that actually prepare you for a career path, mm-hmm. um, which is why you and I both got master's degrees. <laughs> and, we're doing a, and we're doing a podcast now. And we're doing a podcast. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So. I think that that's, but we see that as, as the thing that secures the best chance for the future, because I mean, one, it is key An education on some level always is going to be key to financial success, I think. Mm -hmm. And two, because we see it as the thing that's going to give us access to meaningful employment. Right. We're deriving so much of our identity and our, yeah, sense of self-worth and um, and even connectedness to the world we're driving so much of that from our employment. So here's a, when I uh, was, when I texted you earlier about what I was kind of working through, this notion that millennials are... The millennial 
uh, ethos is one that seems very bipolar. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but in terms of how it seems like on the one hand, and this is just from some of the reading I was doing, on the one hand, it's this very optimistic and and millennials are it, it see they seems to be a generation that is very philanthropic. Yes, the, very and, idealistic. Yeah, right. And I mean, let's I mean, let's just we talk. We just mentioned our you know homeboy uh, Bezos. You know how we can we can smell a fake th- philanthropist from a mile away. Yeah. You know we we want to you know support the, um, you know the. Like uh, you know, friends of mine, uh, coffee roasters that are helping and and advocating for victims of uh, sex trafficking, I think mm. in South America or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know where we 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 want to give and support causes that are uh, that not only give us a sense of significance, yeah, but also that are doing something that's meaningful in in the world right that's something that we've you know so you know we our our clothes and our goods whatever are maybe a little more expensive but it's not because we're bougie some mm-hmm. might be some might or some are not but you know if you're making coffee that's helping people somewhere else it's gonna be a bigger charge on that because yeah. there's more that goes into it, more yeah. than just the product itself, and it's a smaller company, and all, all, and so on, and so on, and so forth. The practical uh, logistics of that, and so, uh, you know, we so there is that aspect. We, we when we find a cause that we resonate with, we have a great commitment towards it. Yeah. On the other hand, we're burdened by a trillion dollars, about a trillion dollars in student debt. Um, we, and some of the statistics I was looking at, 79% of millennials surveyed are worried that they won't have any money for retirement. Millennials are 27% more likely to report poor mental health. Mm. Um, to be fair, I think that our parents' generation has it. They just don't report it. That's right. And that's exactly that's a, that's the same thing I thought was like maybe they also had the same issues. They just one hundred percent. Oh yeah, they just didn't have the words for it. Yep. So yep. they just said that they were stressed out. Yep. So, um, and so, so and so even that 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 notwithstanding, not that it doesn't count. Yeah. But looking here at then also the other variables. There's this sense in which we're also very disillusioned and we struggle to find a, um, a sense of grounding, right? We're supposed to be doing all this daggone philanthropic work trying to save the world, but we ain't going to eat when we're 66. <laughs> we retire, right? We're supposed to be retiring. Mm-hmm. So it's ever since, you know, we started doing this podcast, I've, realize how this notion of adult adolescence I'm starting to become more charitable towards it because I'm starting to realize how big of a burden it is to 
you know, fill in the details um, of an imagination that you've, that's ba- not, not been like, not, that's not a blank slate, but how to unlearn and then teach yourself mm-hmm. and then pass on, you know? And, you know, I think, you know, when COVID first hit, um, well, I mean, it hit only one time, so we're still in it. But with uh, when the uh, school started going in, going back uh, to, to session, you know, there were a lot of campaigns that were talking about being gracious to teachers because they're essentially, the, you know, I, I saw one that said that they're building the plane as they're flying it. Yep. And it seems like that's what we're doing too on a, maybe a bigger, more philosophical, conceptual scale, as well as also practically in our day-to-day existence. Yeah. Is we're, we're holding on to the dream as we're trying to articulate it. Yeah. As we're, we're trying to figure out what it is at the same time, we we're, we're, we're believing that this is something that's worth uh, pursuing. Yeah. That's a, that's very stressful. Yeah. I'm thinking about the Chesterton quote you referenced or paraphrased. Um, I'm thinking about how for boomers and even the greatest generation, you know, previous generations, there's an understood, it was just understood that you had to sacrifice for it. You know, like I think pretty classically, a lot of, a lot of the dads of that generation say don't really have much of a relationship with their Mm -hmm. kids, you know, Mm -hmm. depression era dads and, or people that were born in the depression. Right. Um, and you know, even boomers working the long hours and, uh, showing up to games maybe, but that's, you know, kind of minimal involvement. There's just, there's the understanding that there is going to be sacrifice and, um, Part of, one of the things I think that our generation is really wrestling with is we see the fruit of the sacrifice being negative. So not only did so many of us miss out on relationships with our parents who are working, you know, maybe both parents working um, crazy hours to attain financial security. There's like, you know, there's that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, um, there's we're watching the consequences of just crony capitalism and consumption destroy our planet and you know like ravage indigenous communities and all these things and and we have access to all that information because of the digital age so Mm -hmm. we're seeing both both what was sacrificed and experiencing the pain of that and then also seeing the result the thing that it was sacrificed for as ultimately being kind of negative. And I think we're sitting here going, so why do we sacrifice? What's it for? Is it really right. worth it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. maybe that's one of the biggest questions, the underlying questions that we're asking as we, as a generation wrestle with this mythology, of the American dream is like, okay, so we, we want a dream we're sacrificing for and we're also very, very afraid of the cost of the sacrifice. So we're trying to make sure that yeah. it's the right one. Yeah. 
Because I mean, if if I'm gonna sacrifice my life, yep, then it has to it has to, and maybe not the, and I I, I gotta start thinking in terms of probability instead of certainty, because it has to be one where I say, you know what, this is, I I, I um, I read this a couple months ago. Uh, Annie Dukes thinking in bets, and I really really like it. And the idea is just that um, life is more like che- more like poker than it is chess because in <laughs> chess you see all the pieces. In poker you don't have all the information, but you still have to make a, a decision. Yeah. So you, you, so really, what uh, the quality of your life depends on your ability to make quality decisions uh, without having all the information. And so if I'm supposed to be sacrificing my life for a legacy or a future generation, so on and so forth, then I have to know that I'm making the, the sacrifice that will lead to the, the greatest chance of a, of, a, of a positive outcome. Yeah. And so I'm going to do a podcast. Yeah. I'm going to freelance. I'm going to make sure that the energy I expend is towards uh purposeful meaningful life giving work because that's the sacrifice i know will give me the best chance that my life just won't be a wasted a waste and in fact you know this we're afraid to make the sacrifice so you know what if and this is again being very like like a cynical i guess uh, train of thought but you know what if if even if I, you know, I'm not, you know, leaving legacy or whatever, um, I know that my sacrifice is now going to leave a legacy in the, um, in the family of the world in which I am a member, mm-hmm. and that itself is significance enough and legacy enough. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my sacrifice is not in vain. So yeah. if my my legacy isn't for an immediate context or an immediate relationship circle. I'm at least, you know, leaving my footprint on the world. And therefore, yep. my life is not meaningless. Yeah. My sacrifice is not meaningless. I like that. I think it also, it sort of almost expands the idea of like the purpose of having family too, because your son is also your legacy. And That's you're right. going to send him out into the world as a man who is going to be like, I mean, he's going to do good work. Mm-hmm. and um you know lord willing and uh yeah but i think it's interesting so i digressed a little bit talking about um sacrifice but i think where i started was with the chesterton quote and the the sacrifice is a parody or um what is what did he say secular values are merely religion religious values gone mad something to that effect yeah um the sacrifice for the American dream that the greatest generation and boomers made, I think I need to think about this some more, but I, I, I get the sense that it's a, the parody, it's a parody of the sacrifice that the Christian life requires and that we are called to make that you like, you mm-hmm. give your life to something you, you lose your life in order to find it. And I think that what we saw is that, they lost their lives and they didn't necessarily find them. And our generation is largely non-religious. So we have no sense of what we're aiming for. 
we don't have like our, you know, our transcend, our sense of transcendence is um, very undefined. Very imminent. So I mean, that's yeah. the, 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 what is it? The contrast is transcendence and imminence. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Finding, very imminent. Yeah, finding the transcendence in the imminent uh, realities. Um, and is it too premature a question to ask, where can we go from here? I think it is. I think we have to have a part two. Well, where are we, where are we landing today then? I mean, we've, we've, t- so the, the idea here was to figure out what exactly is this American dream, yeah. right? And so it's this uh, upward mobility to secure a future for, uh, a f- secure a legacy for a yep. family and, and future generations. Yep. And, and it seems like one of the challenges that we're experiencing right now is that the, the idea of a family, um, a traditional, idea of uh and i think i want to say american idealistic family unit no longer is the only way to have meaningful quote-unquote nuclear relations it is a way but it is not the only way right exactly yeah yeah so with that being the case then how does the american dream apply without the traditional ideal idealistic american notion of family one of the problems is that without the traditional idealistic notion of family the american dream as such doesn't resonate with us as it as it used to yeah yeah okay right yep you know the some of the you know the 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 four values of the American dream that I, I mean, not these aren't these aren't like set in stone, but they're helpful. You leave home, you get a job, get married, have children. So basically, get a job and have a family. So you leave your family in which you were raised, so that you can create another one. Yeah. And provide for it, and make sure that it continues after you're gone. Yep. Now, if you're leaving home, but you're not doing the family thing. Right. Yep. So then what? Yeah. And that is the opportunity that we are trying to work out while believing that we actually are still pursuing an American dream. We're pursuing an American dream that we don't even we don't really know what exactly <laughs> what exactly it is. Yeah. And that's a very stressful existence. Mm. Yes, it is. <laughs> deeply so I have a professor in grad school who called um, he said anxiety there's like acute anxiety and depression which are like largely situational and then he said oftentimes that like uh, more chronic forms of anxiety and depression he called them he called them ontological and existential angst (laughs) I was like this is this is us. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is us. So painful. But yet. Okay. So maybe where do we where we need to go from here in the next episode is to talk a little bit more about aspirational but also realistic ways to define the American dream so that it is attainable. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm just looking here at these notes that I took, and I wish I could read them. Yeah. That same thought when you texted a picture to me earlier. It's like there's an F there, and that looks like an I. Exactly. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, so I was. I wrote the Not first. Not to throw little, you under the bus, but for, for, hey, look, it's okay. I'm fine. There's room. So I was. I, I was. Uh, I, I I wrote the first little thing, and then um, and then Max. Uh, so I was giving Max a bath, and I was like trying to do this while I was, he was in there. And then he saw me writing, and then obviously wanted like immediately wanted to do what I was doing. Um. So then he just got my, and that's what all this crap is. Is he he started doing his little circles and stuff. Oh man, this kid. He. He's so great. It's whenever, like, you know, if, yeah, he'll like do stuff and then he sees me doing something and he wants, then he just leaves what he's doing, wants to do what I'm doing. He's, uh, man. Gotta be like daddy. Kid. What's that? Yeah, so the, gotta be like daddy. They're fun. They're just little mimics yeah, always. Yeah. Maybe I'll keep a tab on that especially when we think about the next episode in terms of thinking even this American dream and particularly this notion of legacy. Now that I just, I was thinking about Max is that a legacy doesn't have to be heroic. Mm. It can just be hanging out with your kids. Yeah. Say it louder. My gosh. So anyway, there's that. On that note. Yeah. And anything else? No, I think that's a great that's a great note to end on for now. Okay. Well, and as always, it's been real. Yes, it has. Everybody, thanks for hanging with us. This is the Growing Pains Podcast. I'm your host, Smokey Musal, joined by the illustrious Eva Rilla. Don't get more real than her and Harrington. We out.